morning and happy Mother's Day to you. A couple of days ago, Christina was talking to Finley, our four-year-old daughter, and told her, hey, this Sunday's Mother's Day. Here's what this means. It means we celebrate moms. And Finley's response was, well, what day do we celebrate kids? And so uh, happy Mother's Day to you. I just want to reiterate what we said earlier. Uh, today is a great and a joyful day for some, and we know it's a difficult day for others. And so wherever, whatever this day means to you, I just want to say thank you for being here. Um, what we know is this, that regardless of what kids that we may or may not have or what may be going on in our life, we are valued and loved not because of who we are or what we do, because of what Jesus has done for us. And so if today's a particularly difficult day for you, I just want to say thank you for your courage of being here. And my prayer is that you would be encouraged and feel loved um, by the end of it. And so today we're going to spend some time talking about Jesus because he's the one that makes us valuable in the first place. And so I want to begin by asking this question, uh, what do you think is the, uh, the biggest prohibitor to progress. What do you think is the biggest prohibitor to progress in our lives? And it could be spiritual progress, or it could be, you know, just anything that you're trying to get better at or try to do. I think we think things like maybe discipline, not having enough discipline, or maybe not having enough desire to actually make it happen, maybe not having enough time in the day, maybe the goal or the thing that you want to achieve, you set your sights too high. And I think all of those things play a part, but I do not think they are the biggest prohibitor to actually progressing in our life. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're, this series, Life, of Over, uh, Life Over Death, comes from what we talked about on Easter, where we said this, that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And so in this series, we're talking practically, what does that actually mean? And what does that actually look like? And today, specifically, we're talking about what, how does Jesus allow us to make progress in our life and ex- actually experience the life that he has for us. And so I'm actually really excited today. We're going to be in one of my favorite passages, First John, starting in First John chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and pull it out. Maybe have it on your smartphone. If not, there's a black one somewhere around you. If you do not own a Bible, you can take that black one home. It is our gift to you. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It was written by this guy named John, probably towards the end of his life. He was one of Jesus's closest disciples. And basically, he taught, this chapter, he begins by talking about uh, the need that if we actually are followers of Jesus, how that should look in our life. And so starting in verse 5, this is what John says. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. In other words, here's what he's saying, that God is light, that he is perfect, he is loving, he is just, he is holy, he is all these amazing things. And if you and I are followers of Jesus, or if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but we live lives that are completely contradictory to what he would want for us, he's saying that there is a disconnect. Now, he's not saying that we have to be perfect. He's not saying that we have to get it right all the time. But if we actually do desire Jesus, our life should kind of reflect that, should show that we're actually trying to strive and pursue him. If not, then we may not actually be followers of Jesus like we claim to be. And here's he continues by saying this in verse 7. He says, If we walk in the light as he himself is the light, or is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, as we follow Jesus, as we reflect him in our life, all of this is made possible not by you and I trying really hard, not by you and I trying to not sin. It's all made possible because of what Jesus has done for us, that he gave his life so that we could receive uh, forgiveness and love and joy and grace. And as we follow Jesus, we experience that. And so I just want to say this real quick. 
uh, as we read this passage, that how you live matters to God. Now, we talk about this a lot at New City, that we are saved by grace. We are not saved by what we do. We are saved by what Jesus has done for us, and that is 100% true. But what we see is that how we live does not actually save us, but it shows us if we're actually trusting Him. Now, I want to be clear. There's not, I think sometimes we can look at people who are followers of Jesus and kind of look down at them. I can't believe that's their struggle. I can't believe they're still met. this is still a hardship for them. What we need to know is that following Jesus a year or two years or three years in or however long you've been following Jesus, there are not markers as if this is what a 10-year follower of Jesus looks like, right? Because we all have different backgrounds. We all have different experiences. So this is not saying you must be doing certain things. It's just saying overall, as you look at your life, are you actually following Jesus? Because how you live does matter to him. It does not save you, but it shows whether or not you actually trust him. And we've said this throughout the series, and I could be wrong on this, but here's what I believe as I read the scriptures, particularly the New Testament, and particularly why Jesus said that he would come. That sin is wrong because it's wrong, right? Like you could say, and it is true, that sin is wrong because if God says something is wrong, it is wrong. But it is my belief that more than that, that sin is not just wrong because it's wrong, that it's wrong because it actually holds us back from living the life that God wants for us to live. And so when he asks us to do certain things, or when he asks us not to do other things, it's not because he wants to hold us back, it's because why? He wants to give us life. And we know he wants to give us life because he says as much, but also in God's kingdom, when we actually are in heaven, we actually get to experience the life that God has for us, will be extraordinarily better than anything we could imagine. And so in this this life, even in the midst of pain and suffering and hardship and things not going the way that we want them to go, even in that, as we follow Jesus, we can experience life more fully than without him. And so my argument would be this. Again, sin is wrong because God says it's wrong, but the reason that it's wrong in the first place is because it actually holds you back from experiencing the life God has for you. And so when John and other writers in the New Testament say, follow Jesus, it's important to it's important how you live. It's not because God looking, is looking down on you or because he wants to get mad at you or he wants to hold your sin against you. It's because he wants you to experience life. That is why he came. And so he continues by saying this in verse 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, here's the good news, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? The reality is none of us are perfect. So it's not about being perfect, right? It's not about that. However, he says this in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Not us trying really hard. It's his faithfulness. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. In other words, we will fall short. If we claim that we're never, we don't need Jesus, we're never going to sin, we're never going to do anything wrong, we're actually lying. And we know we're lying, right? Because we say this too, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not sure about this Jesus thing, you would probably admit that you've done things wrong that even you would admit were wrong. No matter what your standard of morality is, we've all done things that even we would say are wrong. And so what John is saying here is that no one is perfect, and it is arrogant to think that you are good enough on your own own. This is why the gospel is offensive. You could be thinking, how is it offensive that Jesus came and gave his life so that we could experience the grace and love and forgiveness of God? How is that offensive? It's offensive because of what Paul just said here. He's saying, you need help. This is why Jesus came, especially in our culture today, where no one can tell us what's right or wrong. We want to do whatever we want. Paul, uh, John is saying here, no, no, you are sinful. You do need grace. And this is why the gospel can be offensive, even though it is really good news for us. And so here's what I want us to know this morning as we look at this text, as we talk about this idea of progress. 
that you can't be perfect, but you can make progress. This herein lies the answer to the question, what is the biggest prohibitor to our progress in our life? I would say this, it's perfection. Because what happens is we try really hard, and if something doesn't work out, we just give up. Let me give you an example. Uh, I think all of us at some point or another have maybe gone on a diet or tried to eat healthier, you know, some health kick or whatever. What, it, what happens, right? This is what happens. So you know, I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm going to try really hard. And then you go to work in the morning, and someone brings donuts. And you think, I don't need no donuts. I'm, it's fine. Krispy Kreme, Dunkin', I'm good, whatever. And then you realize they're not just donuts. They're duck donuts. And I'm not like a big sweets person, but dude... The, the, uh, the Oreo cookies and cream, mm, like I don't care what diet I'm on, I'm eating that if it's put in my face, right? And so you see that, and what do you think? Well, oh, I got to eat this, I can't do it. So you eat the donut, and then what happens? Immediately you think, well, I've, I've, th- th- this day's already over, I've already blown it, so I'm going to do, I'm going to eat whatever, I'm going to try again tomorrow, right? We do this all the time because we feel like, well, I can't, I didn't perfectly uphold my goal, I'm not even going to try. And we know that this makes no sense if we have a friend or a family member doing it, but we tell it to ourselves all the time. And so maybe you've had a hobby or a goal or something that you wanted to pursue. Maybe you wanted to learn a new language or you wanted to run a marathon or whatever, right? And then you miss a day because you're sick and so you don't get to train that day. And then you go out of town. Eventually you say, well, I can't do a marathon, so I'm not even going to run at all. Perfection is the problem. We often think, again, that if I can't do all of it, I won't do any of it. And then we are stuck in the same exact place that we began. I, I have so many examples of this in my life. I am an Enneagram 3, if you're not familiar what that is. Basically, it's this. Uh, I love to win. I'm super competitive, and I love to accomplish and get things done. I want to have a lot of things going on. And if I'm not good at something, because I am competitive, I won't even try. I'm like, I'm not even, if I'm going to look bad, I'm going to try. Now, this is hard because I love sports, but I'm not the most athletic person in the world. And so I remember my pinnacle athletic prowess career, uh, I peaked when I was in eighth grade because I made the middle school soccer team. And I was like, it is the only team that, I, I mean, you play rec sports, but everybody gets placed. It's the only team that I ever tried out for and made it. And I, I think I actually made it on accident because the tryouts were like Monday through Thursday and you, know, you get cut and if you don't get cut, you keep going. And then we were planning, I had to go out of town for something that Friday and he extended the tryouts to Friday that I couldn't go to. And so I think on Monday morning he realized, oh, this kid didn't show up and I didn't cut him. So I guess I have to let him be on the team. And so I think it was a complete accident, but it was awesome. So I went from being the last one to make it to actually starting by the end of the year. And here's the thing, as much as fun as that was, as great as that was, then we go to high school. And I remember, I think if I remember correctly, uh, guys was in the fall. And so the tryouts for the high school team, you know, varsity and JV, were pretty soon after school started. And one of my friends on the middle school team asked me if I was trying out. And I said, no. And he looked at me like, what do you mean you're not even going to try out, right? And in my mind, I made some excuse. But here's what, here's what I thought. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to make it. Why even try, right? Why even try? I think so often in my life I've experienced this and you've experienced this. We think if we can't do it perfectly, if we can't do it really well, we're not even going to try and then we don't even experience any progress in our life. And so here is why it's important for us to know that you can't be perfect, but you can make progress, right? Because perfection, again, will always hinder progress. If your goal is to be perfect, you will never get there. This is, if we're talking about following following Jesus, here's how this plays out. We think, I've sinned today, so I'll try again tomorrow or next week or next month, right? Or maybe, you know, I read my Bible once or twice a week and I really want to read more. And so beginning of the year, I'm going to do a read through the Bible and a year plan. 
right? I don't, which, you know, I, I wouldn't suggest if you don't read consistently because you're not going to keep up, right? And so what happens? You're good for the first week, and then you miss a day, and then you make up for it on the next day, but then you miss another day, then you miss a few days, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I can't read the Bible in a year, so I'm not even going to try. We think, well, I blew it today, so I'm not even going to try to follow Jesus today. And then what happens is it could be days, weeks, months, years, even a decade before you realize, oh, man, I am so far from God. I miss Jesus. I want to experience in my life again because what had happened? We were not perfect, so we didn't even try. We did not experience any progress in our life. And this is why I love this passage so much. I want to pick it up again, uh, starting in chapter 2, verse 1. Here's the good news for us. Uh, John says this, After saying that we should strive to follow Jesus, even though we will fall short, it does matter how we live, he says this. He says, My little children, I am writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, or maybe he could say, when we do sin, uh, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is, our, or is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And here's what's so amazing about this text. In verse 2, when he says he himself, talking about Jesus, is our atoning sacrifice, uh, the, the literal translation there is this word uh, propitiation. Now, this version doesn't have it. Some translations do have propitiation. The reason why some translations don't is because it's not a common word that we use, so people don't know what it means. But this idea of an atoning sacrifice, propitiation, is this Greek word uh, uh, pronounced helosmos. And what helosmos means is this, that Jesus took God's wrath or it's a sacrifice, a propitiation is a sacrifice that bears the wrath of God, but not only that, it also then turns it into favor. So Jesus came not just for us to experience forgiveness. He doesn't just forgive us of our sins, but then he gives us something. He gives us a relationship with God, that God, if you are a follower of Jesus, looks at you the same way he looks at Jesus, which is righteous, just, pure, and holy, that your and my inheritance in God's kingdom is the same that Jesus is going to get, not because of us, but because of him, that he is advocating as we fall short, as we stumble. Our advocate in this text is Jesus, the Son of God, who not only gives us forgiveness, but then gives us undeserved favor. This is, let me give you an example of like what this actually looks like. As many of you know, if you're maybe newer around here, you may not be familiar with my story, but 10 years ago this summer, um, I lost my dad to a suicide. And it was hard, and it was difficult, and it was an extremely hard time for me and my family. But even in the midst of all that pain and all that suffering, we had so many great people that came around and supported our family, uh, served our family, loved our family. But as great and as great as that was, as awesome as that was, that, those prayers and those support and the love that we experienced from those people after losing my dad pales in comparison with who my advocate here is in this text. And my advocate in this text is God himself, Jesus, who gave his life for me, saying that is my son, whom I love, who I'm fighting for, no matter what he may do, no matter what he may experience. And so I just want to say this, especially on a day like Mother's Day, where it could be difficult for you, that you need to know that God is not punishing you, that what you may be going through is not punitive. Even if it is a self-inflicting wound that you and I have done on ourselves. that God actually loves you and is fighting for you in the midst of that, if you are a follower of him. The best way that I have seen this, uh, this analogy that I've seen for this text is kind of like this. Uh, think back, if you have kids, if not, it's easy to imagine. When your kids walked for the first time, 
Now, it's not hard for me. Our one-year-old Roman last month took his first steps. And here's what's happening. When kids walk for the first time, they're not really walking. They're just kind of surviving, right? They let go of the coffee table or the couch or one of their parents' hands, and their, and their big heads fall forward. In our case, it's true because both of our kids, when they were young, Romans still this way, had head, their percentile were in the 90th percent. So they massive heads, right? <laughs> their heads fall forward. They take a step, step, and then they fall. Every single time they fall, and what do the parents do? They don't look at him and be like, idiot, what are you doing? No, they're freaking out. They're like, oh, they're walking. No, you're not walking. You're just surviving. And so what happens? You pick the kid up again, and he keeps falling. So he's got a bloody nose. His eye's falling out of his socket. But you've got you to get the video, so you keep making it do it. I would show it, I would show it but it was, it was, it's too short. Uh, when Roman, he, just, he likes me more than his mom. So he, just, he just does. But it's, it's actually kind of annoying sometimes, but just kidding. Um, and so when he would first walk, he would walk to me, but not to her. So I was holding the camera as he was walking to me, so you can't really catch him. And so I have a, his first steps is just him walking and just face planting, face planting right into the floor, right? And that's what happens because you're celebrating what God has done. And so here's what we just need to know as we look at this text, that Jesus is not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to walk. And hear me, you can do that. You cannot be perfect, but you can walk. And as you fall, not if you fall, but when you fall, Jesus is saying, that is my son, that is my daughter whom I love. That God cares for you, not because you're awesome, because he loves you so much that Jesus came to be the propitiation for our sins. That he doesn't just forgive us, but he gives us life and grace and mercy. And so as we're specifically talking about following Jesus and experiencing the life that he wants for you, you need to know that you will not be perfect, but you can be experience progress by walking. Because every kid that takes his first steps falls. And the parents, again, are not saying, I can't believe you fell. What are you doing? They're celebrating. They're saying, my son, my daughter is walking. And they're celebrating for their child. That is who your advocate is because of what Christ has done for you. And if that is true, which it is, here's what we need to do. We need to focus on the one who is perfect. If we cannot be perfect, if we are not perfect, and instead of focusing on ourselves, we need to focus on the one who actually is. Let me just ask you this question, right? Are you perfect? You're not, and you would even admit that. And so it's not about us trying a hard in our own strength and just trying to self-will it or believe in yourself more or, or you know, pray to the universe that, that it'll give you strength. No, no, no. You need to focus on the one who can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And as you do that, that is how you walk. He's saying, walk, follow me, not follow me in, my own, in your own strength, but follow me so that you can experience life change and progress in your life. And so he concludes this passage by saying this in verse 3. <clears throat> he says, this is how we know that we know him. This is how we know whether or not we're actually a follower of Jesus. If we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. And this is how we know we are in him. The one who says, or the one who says he remains in him should what? Should walk just as he walked. Now, clearly he's not talking about being perfect because of the few 
verses beforehand, he said, you're a liar if you think, if you say that there is no sin in your life. Instead, he's just saying this, that we should walk, that we should reflect Jesus, that we should be growing closer to Jesus. And even then, even as, and even we will fall short. It's not about being perfect, but it's actually about having a desire to want to follow him in the first place. And so the idea here is that you and I need to walk and not be afraid to fail because you will. You will blow it, you will fall short, and instead of running from God and thinking God needs like a cool-off period before you can go back and, and talk to him or pray or to speak to him, no, God, you need to know that even as you're falling, even as you're blowing it, Jesus is fighting, is advocating on your behalf, and he's welcoming you back to him that you can actually experience progress even in the midst of difficulties of life, even in the midst of you blowing it. He's not saying run away until you're perfect. He's saying as you fall short, continue to walk and to follow me. Have you ever done this? Have you ever actually committed to something and actually experienced progress? I think a lot of times in our life, there are things that we have uh, wanted to do, and then maybe it was a hobby, you know, whatever it was, and then we didn't for various reasons. But there may have been a few things in your life that you actually did do, and you actually experienced some progress. I, the John Acuff in his book, uh, Finish, he talks about this idea of goal setting, and he puts it this way. Again, this is just talking about things that you want to do. And I, He says, for example, let's say you want to run a marathon. And so you're nine months out of running the marathon. You say, I've, I've never run a marathon before, but I'm going to do it. He said, what if, you know, you fall short, you miss a few days. Instead of just giving up, what if you cut your goal in half? Instead of running 26 miles, you run 13 miles. Nine months from now, would you have rather run zero miles or would you rather have run 13 miles, right? 13 miles is progress. I know for, for me, uh, uh, last summer was the first time I started consistently working out in my life. Right? And so I go three times a week, and it's awesome. I think I'm only about a year or two out from entering the world's strongest man. So I'm close. But when I started, listen, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to do the weights. I didn't know how to do the machines. I remember going, out, going with a friend to work out, and he was showing me, like, the different muscle groups. And he's like, if you're not quite sure, you know, you can lift the weights, and you can feel it, like, in your body what muscle group it is. I'm like, feel what? All I feel is, like, tension. And the weights that you have on this thing, I can't even move. So I don't feel anything, right? But since I've been doing it for a year, uh, I don't know a lot, but I know more. Like, I actually know, oh, this muscle group actually does this, and this does this thing. I've actually experienced some progress in my life. When I first started working out, I, every, every, after every, like, machine or weight or whatever I did, I'd be on my phone and, like, Googling, oh, what's another workout for this? I have no idea. Now, I still do it. But instead of, but, but instead of, instead of like trying to find out a workout for a specific muscle group, I'm trying to find out different workouts for that specific muscle group, so I'm not doing the same ones over and over again. I, I have a long way to go, but I've experienced progress because I know I'm going to miss some days. I know I'm not going to do this perfect, but I'm going to commit to it even if I fall short, even if I don't do it perfectly. I'm going to commit to it so that I can experience progress, and that is what he is saying here, that we ought to follow Jesus. We need to walk in the ways in which he walked, even as we fall short, even as we blow it. If you do that, you will experience progress in your life. And so here's ultimately why you and I need to focus on the one who is perfect. Instead of ourselves, instead of self-help and all the, our own efforts, here's why ultimately you and I need to focus on the one who is perfect. And really, it's the main point, the bottom line from our text today, and that's this, that Jesus's perfection uh, allows us to experience progress. 
It is Jesus' perfection and what he has done for us that allows us to experience progress in our life. He has made it possible for us to receive the grace, forgiveness, and mercy of God. He is the one who is fighting on our behalf. And so as we fall short, as we blow it, we don't have to run away and hide from God, that we can continue to pursue him even in the midst of the difficulties of life. Again, even in the midst of choosing sometimes to go our own way and not to do what he would want us to do, even in the midst of that, we can still follow God because of what Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his life death and resurrection meant for us. It is in him that allows us to experience progress, not in our self-help, not in our own strength, trying to do it on our own. I love what Paul in Philippians, this will be on the screen if you don't want to turn there. Uh, Paul, who is uh, one of the foundational leaders of the early church, he puts it this way, starting in verse 12 of chapter 3. He says this, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect. This is Paul who again, was beaten, was starved, ended up dying, claiming that Jesus rose from the dead, planted all these churches. He's like the super Christian we all kind of assume, right? He says this, even I haven't reached the goal. I am not perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by, uh, also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. In other words, this is exactly what we are talking about. That in the midst of our falling short, in the midst of our failures, that we're still pursuing Jesus, or we're still striving after him. And so my question for you this morning is simply this, what are you pursuing? Right? Are you pursuing perfection because you're never going to get that? Or are you pursuing kind of your own desires and thinking they're going to fulfill you and you know that they won't because you've pursued things in your life that did not give you what you thought that they would? What are you pursuing? Because the reality is this, that if you and I are pursuing perfection, we will never achieve it. But if we're pursuing Jesus, we'll experience progress in our life. And again, this is the gospel, that Jesus actually did what we cannot do. He actually lived the perfect life so that anyone who follows him, not, like that, not that they clean up their life and get everything in order before they follow Jesus, but now today, no matter where you are, as we follow him, you and I receive the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God. And what that ultimately does is it changes our heart and our desires over time. And so we don't try to pursue God to earn something from him. We don't try to pursue God uh, so that we can hope that he loves us more. No, we pursue him simply because he is the one that has given us life, and we want other people also to experience that life as well. The gospel, again, is simply this. We say this all the time, that because of Jesus, you have nothing to prove, and you have no one to impress. It is not about being perfect. It is about following Jesus and allowing him to change your life. I'll read one more passage real quick, talking about the same idea in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, leading up to these verses, uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about a lot of the Old Testament heroes and how many of them, even though they were faithful, didn't actually get to see what they were pursuing realized in this life. Now, some of them did, but most of them died for whatever reason. A lot of them were martyred or killed, so they didn't actually get to see the thing that they were hoping to see in this life. And then he says this in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, right, the saints of old who have died and have gone back, gone into God's kingdom. He says this, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, focusing, in other words, focusing on the one who is perfect, focusing, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our 
faith. It's not your efforts that make you perfect in God's sight. It is what Jesus has done for us, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, that Jesus gladly and willfully laid down his life for you, even though it was hard, right? It says this, despising the shame that you and I will never quite understand what that was like for Jesus to lose fellowship with the Father on our behalf during this time that he was dead. He said he endured the cross, despising the shame, and then this, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did he set it down? Because it is finished, as he said on the cross, that he has accomplished everything for you that you could never accomplish and do on your own. This is why Jesus came. Again, Jesus's perfection, not your efforts, allows us to experience progress. And so I don't know what you're bringing in here today. I don't know what's going on in your life uh, right now, but you just need to know this in the midst of the difficulties of life, in the midst of things not going the way that you want them to go, whether it's something that is in your control or out of your control, Jesus is inviting you to come and follow, to come and walk, to come and pursue him. And when you fall short, he looks at you and says, my son, my daughter is walking. And so you just need to be encouraged this morning to follow Jesus. No matter what that looks like for you, no matter what you're be struggling with, no matter what you may be dealing with, that God is inviting you into a relationship with himself so that you can ultimately experience life. Again, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And it is his sacrifice on the cross that allows us to experience that. So no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you may be involved in, Jesus is saying, come and follow me. It is my perfection that allows you to experience progress because of what I have done for you. Again, Jesus' perfection, not our efforts, allows us to experience progress when we follow him. Let's pray.